You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope everybody got their fill with presents and good food and all the rest of that. We're getting ready for the new year. Welcome to the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. We'll be talking all manner of sports today. And we're going to start with the New Orleans Saints. And I'm not going to lie, before this past weekend, Brandon and I, I think you would agree, we considered the Saints kind of to be like Bitcoin. Yep. You know, you were going to get burnt if you bought these guys. But after watching them dispose of the Falcons and kind of put to bed um, this whole notion of, that it was Atlanta's division still. I'm all on the Saints bandwagon. Who's coming with me? Um, Yeah, I'm right there with you. I made that original point about the Bitcoin. I still, for some reason, I just don't feel like I 100% believe them. But I'll tell you this. The Panthers beat Tampa Bay. It may prove to be a bad win. Because as it currently stands, they're matched up with with these Saints that we're talking about where they may have wanted to drop down to the sixth seed and play somebody else because obviously the results from those two matchups earlier in the season didn't pan out so well for them. Well, you're talking about seeding in the NFC. And I'll tell you that Philly escaped with the win against Oakland on Monday night. And I'm not sure what that win shows me. I'm not sure if it shows me that they've got the medal to get it done regardless who's under center and win a game that they shouldn't necessarily have won or if they're in big, big trouble. Let me ask you a question. What type of person are you? Are you the smart player that takes the lateral fumble and falls on it because you realize there's no time on the clock? Or do you take it to the house like homeboy did? I'm taking it to the house to cover the spread. Okay. I kind of already knew that about you. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Barnett with no time left on the board, if you didn't see the game, um, picked up a fumble, ran it back for a touchdown, and, and extended a Philly win and made that made that score look a little better to folks that didn't see the ball game. But really, truly, Oakland kind of walked the dog on Philly all night and then just had a couple t- untimely turnovers and managed to gack that game away, which has sort of become Oakland's M.O. this year. They're one of the two teams, I think, that were the sexy picks. They were the smart guy picks to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC this year. Over in the NFC, Tampa Bay, we've we've talked about that over and over again, especially with being featured on HBO. They were the hard knocks team this year. You know, young quarterback, dynamic playmakers, a young defense, and they've been – 
pretty bad. Well, the thing about it, Tampa Bay, is I watched that whole game against the Panthers. They're a one-trick pony. It's Mike Evans or nothing. They have nowhere else to go. And Winston, you can't put it all on him because I was, I was watching him put it everywhere he wanted it to go on most of the time. It's just his receivers. Maybe they're not running the routes. But why is it that Mike Evans, you know, hits pay dirt every time his number is called? It's not Winston. I don't know. What I see from Winston is a guy that doesn't seem to know when to to kind of kill the play. It's always trying to do too much. And and I don't know. I'm not in the huddle. I don't know what the play calls are. But it always seems like he's afraid of the check down, um, holds the ball a little bit too long, and he's got that big wind-up delivery that doesn't do him any good either. Um, you know, it creates a couple of problems. One that gives the pass rush an extra beat to get to you. The other thing is that it gives um, the coverage, your defenders, an extra beat to read where that ball is going out. I don't know. Where, where does Winston go from here? This was supposed to be his sort of breakout year. He teased us last year and was in that sort of probably the third tier of quarterbacks in terms of performance. But when you looked at that, looked at his age, it seemed like this was going to be his year. And I think there were some people out there that thought he might be a challenger for the MVP. And, and they gave him nothing. all the new tools. Sure I mean, did. and we're talking about Mike Evans being a one-trick, you know, the one guy, too, that he can rely on. Coming into the season, none of us sitting at this table thought that. No. No, no, no. I mean, Deshaun they Jackson, loaded it up. You know, Deshaun Jackson, you have to look at that because he's been a bit of a journeyman and is an afterthought. He's not somebody where, you you know, he look and he's a legitimate number one, but he has added a dimension to the offense everywhere he's been. Yeah, I mean, and he didn't have to be relied on to be the number one. Yeah, so he could have had a break, another year, a great year. I really I thought this guy was going to be huge this year. Well, Deshaun Jackson, his problem is that not this is his problem. He averages thirteen yards per catch this year, I believe. But if you don't throw to him that often, or if he can't get open that often, plus these DBs are a lot faster than they were. I, I think. Over than over the last 10 years, I would say. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people who go, oh, yeah, that's right, that's D-Jax. We're not going to let him get over the top on us, and we got somebody we can put on him and just stay back there kind of. Because, you know, the one thing I'll say about Deshaun is he's never been willing to kind of go, oh, okay, this play's breaking back down and hustle back and get like a short yardage pass. He's always been wanting to get that home run, and juke a few people, and that's been his mo. Well, that's that's for sure. You know, you can get a designed, you know, screen for him or something short coming out. Other than that, he wants to run straight down the field. Yeah. And it's interesting that Dirk Cutter, who is one of those anointed offensive geniuses, hasn't managed to make all these parts work. Now, when Tampa Bay's playing well, they look like world beaters. But we just don't see it consistently. Do you, do you think it's a little bit of the uh, Martin hurting them, Doug Martin being out and not really getting it? Because well, they had no running game. Doesn't I mean, help. I think 50 yards against the Panthers, I think obviously, he, would they shut them down? I think he only missed four games, though. Like, that's what I thought. I thought O.J. Howard would be that blocking tight end. And as long as you can keep it together a little bit on the offensive line, 
he opens up some holes for you, but it never really happened. Well, and not to continue piling on, but O.J. Howard, I would not have been surprised coming into week one if we were talking about O.J. Howard going to the Pro Bowl. He was the perfect pick, the perfect fit on paper for this offense, and none of this is materialized. So it's a disappointment. Another disappointment, I think we've all forgotten about a contract that was signed early on this year, and it was the talk all across the nation on sports radio. And everybody, given how the season began to play out, jumped on and said, you know what? That's the type deal you're supposed to make. That's the guy that deserves that type of cheese. And it was Matt Stafford. Yeah. You you knew where I was going with that. Yeah. Matt Stafford, you know, when Detroit got out of the gate quick, oh, well, see, Detroit's finally got it right. Detroit's legit. Detroit now has missed the playoffs. And Jim Caldwell, been there for four years with all of those toys, and that close hasn't won a playoff game yet. Jim Caldwell, the same one that were, uh, used to coach Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, that yeah. Jim Caldwell? And you expect big. You want to expect big things out of that. Hey, he okay. was Tony Dungy's guru. You know, took he over was. for Tony in Indianapolis. Worked on that Peyton Manning. So it's just funny to me, though. The two quarterbacks that got the big cheese this year are the ones that kind of flattened out, Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford. But well, Derek did, Carr makes me believe that maybe his back injury kind of hurt him more than anything. But the Oakland Raiders ended up being a train wreck. With, well. Horrible defense. Listen to this before you jump in here. We talked for the last couple of weeks about quarterbacks and quarterbacks rallying the rest of their teams. And we talked about how, you know, guys have to be able to look at the quarterback on that team and feel like this guy is going to deliver us. Mm -hmm. This is our guy. He's going to get it done. And you look at Brady – the trust that the New England Patriots have in that guy and have had in him for years is unconditional. With Ben Roethlisberger, no matter what the situation, the rest of the Steelers believe this guy is going to deliver for us when it counts. With Derek Carr, you can see he has all of the tools to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But there have been a handful of instances this season where he's had the game in his hands and he just hasn't been able to come through. And how many times does he get to, you know, gack away a game? You know, he had a chance to take the the Raiders down to win last night. Twice. Couldn't get it done. A week before that. He's the one that fumbles the ball out of the back of the end zone at the end of the ball game. How many times do you get to do that before the guys around you are like, man, well, this is a guy that might be able to get it done for well, us. Well, how long has Phillip Rivers played in the NFL? <laughs> oh, man. Well, and you know, because Rivers. he's the most fiery, most competitive, but when it comes down to it, do you think his team actually believes that he can get this done and win this big game? Well, can I get, play devil's advocate real quick? Um, he's in the top five in passing yards. Who? T- uh, Stafford. 4,123 yards, 26 touchdowns. That ain't too shabby. So what has that gotten them? I know. I know. I understand. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, 
I can't really put it on a man that's in the top five. And you mentioned a couple of the quarterbacks that are, are like you got Tom Brady, Brady right at the top. I don't have his numbers, but I saw a graphic, Ben Roethlisberger, but Stafford's right there in the top five of the league. So is it Jim Bob Cooter and Caldwell's problem? Here's the with, because obviously with Stafford's the putting up now, the stats. You you look at what Stafford's numbers are right. in a vacuum right there. That's great. During the break, I want you to look up and tell me who the worst team in the NFL in rushing is. I mean, right now, I'd probably guess Cleveland's worst in all things being football. I'm going to guarantee you without looking that Cleveland is ahead of Detroit in rushing yards. Okay. Who plays who plays tailback for the Detroit Lions? Um, God, what does that exactly. guy say? Bam, gotcha. <laughs> Well, used, That's my point. I used to know. Is, is it? Gosh. <laughs> my point was most people are not going to know. Detroit. Amir Abdullah. Okay. Amir Abdullah, who's a utility back. Stafford's got a lot of yards. And yes, Stafford has a lot of arm talent. But you also have to look at the construct of the offense. But, Chris, he when can't. It's pass, 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 pass. You're going to get those kind of yards. He's a pocket passer. You can't expect them to run the ball too. Like I mean, some at some point you gotta be able have a balanced attack. You have and that's to. Not, well, that's and if not you on don't, him. You end up with a quarterback who has four thousand plus yards so and misses the playoffs. The leading in a rushing year where they, teams: Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Dallas, Carolina, New Orleans are the top five. Four out of those fives are making the playoffs. Boom. The bottom. Detroit is last, Cincinnati, Arizona, and the Giants. So I guess Matt They're Stafford not making the playoffs. I guess Matt Stafford should probably call better play no, calls. No, listen, I'm is not. I'm not taking away. I'm not taking away from Matt Stafford. Right. But I do want to qualify that this is not a well-rounded offense. They're this is Matt Stafford dropping back yards a carry. Three point four yards. You're a not carry. gonna. You're gonna throw for a hundred million yards a year if you can only run the ball three point four yards. And Matt Stafford's talent and ability to throw the football is indisputable. But that's not everything there is involved. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to from the cheap seats. Krista Lambert. Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. A little bit of a scuffle here in the studio during the break. Okay. As I was accused of hating on well, let me pull Matt up, Stafford. Let me pull up another set of stats. So the league leader, Tom Brady, 4,387 yards passing. How many? So 4,387. So that's interesting. Because so about 200 more than Stafford, and he's only got four more touchdowns passing. That's how close those guys are. Okay, so if I was if I had a team 
Philadelphia, all right, the Eagles right gotcha. now, who are the number one seed in the NFC. If you had the opportunity to replace Nick Foles with either Tom Brady or Matt Stafford, which would you take? Tom Brady all oh, day long. Well, why not, are you comparing boom. Tom Brady and Matt Stafford then? I'm not talking about their careers. I'm talking about this year's stats. And you can't ask Matt Stafford to also run the ball. It's a Jim Caldwell issue. It's New, not a Matt Stafford issue. New England has 600 more yards rushing and is averaging 4.2 yards a carry compared. So you give Matthew Stafford an extra 600 yards rushing – and I guarantee you they'd okay, probably Chris, be in the playoffs. Okay, Chris, now you got to jump on Trent because he just compared uh, Belichick to Jim Caldwell. So no. now you got to jump on him. I'm not jumping on anybody. It's Christmas season, man. What I'm going to say is that what I'm going to say is that five years, 135 million dollars was the extension that Matt Stafford got this offseason. a 50 million dollar signing bonus. Average salaries of twenty-seven. Did I say fifty thousand? Fifty million. <laughs> twenty-seven million in average salaries. With an M. The guarantees in this five-year extension: ninety-two million dollars. Now, I'm not saying that this was a bad contract. In fact, Detroit had to give a contract like this, but we went from initial shock at the size of this deal that Stafford got to the Lions getting out of the gate and everybody saying, well, yeah, look, Stafford earning that money. And now as they choke down the stretch in a year, how many years are is Detroit going to have no Aaron Rodgers to deal with in their division? Yeah. This was a year Detroit's supposed to win that. You got Case Keenum playing quarterback in Minnesota and Brett Hundley playing quarterback in Green your boy, Bay. Your boy, Brett Hundley. I got you. My point is, this was Detroit's year. I don't disagree. You're absolutely right, but who saw the emergence of Minnesota to this extent? Nobody. Is this the emergence, though? This is the second division title in three years. Yeah, but they're like winning – in a way that we haven't seen Minnesota win in a long time. But I don't disagree. So maybe it is time to make wholesale changes. You know, oh, my, you my, don't make wholesale changes well, now. you got $92 million I'm talking about dollars. the guys actually making the play calls. Jim Caldwell could barely win in the – you know, didn't he have the reins with the Colts for a little bit? With he Peyton could, Manning. He could barely win then. Maybe he's the – you know, I'm not saying he's, he's probably a fine assistant coach. Maybe not the – you know, the best head coach in this situation. So maybe you blow that part up. But, you know, Stafford, and I don't want to go down the list of the rabbit hole of the list of the best QBs, but how many teams would just kill for Stafford right now? Absolutely everybody, and that's why Detroit, like he said, they have to sign him. This is perfect because now all they need is to go after and get a run game, and I agree. I think a new head coach. Who's that coach going to be, guys? I mean, that's a million-dollar question yeah. right there. All right. I'm going to tell you who it is. You ready? Well, why would you ask us if you already knew? I just wanted to see what you guys know. All right. The GM Don't in say Detroit, Rex Ryan. The GM, no, it's not going to be Rex Ryan. Oh, Look, the God. general manager in Detroit is Bob Quinn. Bob Quinn came out of the Patriots organization. 
It's time for Matt Patricia to be a head coach in the NFL. Boom. Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator in New England, will be the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. You might have heard it here first. I don't know if anybody else has, has scooped that. I'm telling you that's what's going to happen. I, I have no doubt. I 100% agree with Chris Lambert on that one. I don't know. I think it could be a coordinator. It might be the other guy, too, that's running the offense. Jim Bob Cooter? No. Josh McDaniels in New England. I think Josh is still waiting on Bilicek, and he's going to take over for him. But if you're going to take out of the New England and you have a Matthew Stafford, who better oh. to develop an offense without a run game Trent. than Josh McDaniels? Well, I, I know would argue. Exa- I know the exact head coach they need. because if you And he's going to be available because Kristen Lambert said he was. Andy Reid is going to be fired Ooh. after this season. Ooh. And he can – there you go. Actually, hold up. Andy Reid's not going to be fired because he's resting his players because he's already in the oh. playoffs. I don't know that I said Andy Reid was going to get fired. I do think I said if he missed the playoffs, he was susceptible to be fired. All right, Tim. Just... Tim, I'm going to need you to roll that tape back. <laughs> hey, y'all, hold on. Andy Reid's on his last year with the Chiefs. You know this. Put it down. Write it down. It's Kristen Lambert's Cancel Christmas. Wow. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> it just got real up No, but how story, crazy man. is that? Over the last two weeks, we had a discussion of, is it time for Andy Reid to go? And he is literally considering resting his starters in week 17. Why not? I know, exactly. You're in. It's over. You can't get any more. You, there's nothing else you can do. The only teams season. in the AFC that are playing for anything are the Steelers and the New England to see who gets home and field advantage. Here's my question. First of all, I want to go back. We're going to press the reset button before y'all jumped on my back. (laughs) Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, I think you make a valid point that there's a decision to be made between the two. I think one of them will be the next Detroit head coach. However, the reason I come down on the side of Matt Patricia, I don't think there's anything broken with Detroit's offense. I don't think there's anything broken. I do think – wait, hold hold up, hold up. When you look in total, when you – Detroit's problem is not the ability to move the ball. Is it imbalanced? Certainly. It's – the problem is making plays when you need a play made. That's my part of the – that's part of the issue. If they could get anything out of that defense – They'd be in great shape. They attempted 300, so far, 340 rushes, which is dead last. So if they could run the ball a little bit better, they wouldn't have to have all these opportunities to make a play when you needed them. So uh, they're putting them, they're second and seven every single time if they hand off on first down. I'll buy what you said. So Amir Abdullah, he came out, what, four years ago, and he had some promise, but he's just not. And then their other switch of pace is theoretic. You know, outside of fantasy owners, a lot of people don't even know those two players. Remember, I couldn't even remember Amir's name. So who are they going to draft with their first pick, Detroit? Who's the best running back in college right now? Who you got? Saquon Barkley? Maybe. I – Depends on on what your flavor is. Yeah. Draft. Gonna, how, we're talking about the draft. Come on, man. 
I think an easy way to fix Detroit the, is to run the, the ball. Not the game. You the you talking about the draft? <laughs> I'm talking about the draft. That was an interesting talk about how Cleveland, despite losing basically at everything, got better in the draft by Pittsburgh beating Houston in that trade uh, last year that they made. Cleveland, it'll be interesting. I want to see how he, they screw up this next year's draft. They have, they're have they loaded. They're going to force pick on a quarterback. Ugh, don't do it. Please, it's don't gonna do happen. it. It's going to happen. You, you, they, they cannot not take a quarterback again this time. You're talking about the team that traded out and gave up Carson Wentz. Then in this past year, turned right round and traded down and gave up their opportunity to take Deshaun Watson. They have to take a quarterback. Anybody that has watched Cleveland play more than 10 minutes of football this year knows Deshaun Kaiser is not the answer. So you only get so many chances to be at the top of the draft board. When you have an opportunity to take a franchise quarterback at number one, you have to do it. The question is, who's it going to be? Sam Darnold, we cataloged, is on the record from a long time ago saying that he doesn't want to go to Cleveland. Now, Josh Rosen has said he has issues about going to Cleveland as well. Who knows? Dude, but then don't listen to what's going on because these quarterbacks are afraid they're going to get killed. So that what that tells me is if there's a really good offensive lineman out there, shore up your offensive line. If Miles Garrett needs some help and really needs to open him up so he's not getting double teamed all the time, get Chubb. Like, I mean, listen to what's going on. I wish the Hornets had listened when Kobe Bryant said, I ain't playing in Charlotte. We got dope Vladi Divots out of that whole situation. So listen to past history. Learn from it, guys. Don't go out you know, and draft one of these quarterbacks that's going to be half-heartedly playing for your, you know, well, your, pro, your he, he just made that sound really easy. Just draft a good quarterback. Don't, don't not take a quarterback. Dude, where are you going to get your quarterback from? Okay, but listen to Cleveland fan base. Remember the last time that they just mailed it in and stopped coming to the games? Oh, yeah, they've never done that. Like, Cleveland is going to stick with you. Do the smart play here. Do not get a quarterback that's going to get killed. But that's what they've that's what they've done the last couple of years. Well, okay, well that's fine. Like I mean, stick with it. That's the problem with Cleveland. Why, why don't you they on, just draft on. the best player available, Chubb? Build your defense and then you can sign or trade for a quarterback like you did at the trading deadline, okay, Cleveland. Wait, oh, that's smart. Wait, that's that's that, no, hold on. That's a smart. Hold on there, just a doggone second. <laughs> what? What's wrong just with that? Just go I sign or trade for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, just go shake the quarterback tree, dude. Trade for AJ McCarron we've, like we've you did already. This. I've showed you the mathematics involved in this. If you want a top shelf quarterback in the NFL, the quote the quickest route to get there is to take one in the top ten in the draft. Period. Even if, even if it's a crappy one. No, and that look. I used to be a Cleveland fan. It doesn't Matt work. <laughs> Tim what Couch, was he, number three in the draft. Okay, you're going all the way back to Tim Couch, but since Tim Couch, what quarterback have the Browns taken in the top ten? And they've been in the top ten virtually every season. So why so did they so the, hard to get a? They've top tried 10 to pick. take the best player available. Don't force a pick on a quarterback, and that ish has never worked. 
And I'll continue to tell you how it hasn't worked on the other side. You're listening to Crystal Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. I'm on a dance, I gotta sing, rock song. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and we haven't talked anything about Christmas yet. I want to know, guys, what was the coolest thing you saw Christmas Day? It's always my kids seeing what Santa Claus has brought them. Like, I mean, it's, every year it doesn't get old, and that may you know sound cliche, but just seeing their faces, I videotaped it. I play it back a lot, so that was the coolest thing. Trent? Yeah, I think uh, the dinner was always fun. It's always fun uh, critiquing uh, how the food is and hanging out with the uh, my daughters and and uh, making that dinner before the wife got home. That was always a, a great moment. All right, I do have to I do have to relate a story since you're talking about food, and I don't know why this just popped in my head. Brandy, you know my wife very well. Yes, I do. My wife loves to cook. My wife loves to cook with me. However, she loves to boss me around in the kitchen. That's really what the deal is. She's an A-type personality when it comes to that, which is interesting because in so many other areas, she just defers. But when it comes to the kitchen. So we made a ton of food over the weekend. But my task was to make the turkey. So I fried a turkey and I really enjoy the process of frying a turkey. And it's interesting because so many things are traditional and, you know, roasted turkey is the traditional meal. And it's almost like um, fried turkey has become new school. You know what I mean? If you think back to, to holidays past, fried turkey was not a component. Now fried turkey has just become a thing that people do. So I have experimented over the years with different things in my turkey. And the other day as I was contemplating what I was going to do with this turkey, I came up with an idea. And I was like, this is how I'm going to roll with it. So last, well, on, I guess it was Christmas night. Hold up. You decided to do something new with the Christmas turkey? (laughs) Good luck with that. here's Here's the thing. Is no matter what anybody says. Turkey is good primarily based on its level of juiciness. Dry turkey, not good. Juicy turkey, good. Good. 
What you're t- about to tell us reminds me of, you know what a, re- a redneck says right before he's about to die? Hey, y'all, watch this. Watch this. So I purposely excluded her from the turkey process. And I finished this turkey. And it's funny because we have a little bit of role reversal. My wife likes to carve the turkey. She carves it because she likes to carve it into thinner slices than I do. So after I've spent all this time preparing this turkey, and I did all the stuff, that all the trimmings that we, we did with, I told her, baby, it's time to cut this turkey. So she came over, and she started hooking it up and immediately cut herself off a little piece and tasted it. And I was like, what do you think? And she was like, that's really, really good. And for those of you that know my wife, that's high praise. Because it's never going to be, that's the best thing I ever ate. She's not going to do that unless it's something she made. Or she went and spent a gazillion dollars on because her philosophy in life with a lot of things, if it costs more, then it's better. So, Trent, I feel like we might need to bill Chris after this. This is like a therapy session for him. You know, so getting an invoice. After telling me that the turkey's really good, I don't even know why I did this. Uh-oh. But I asked her, you want to know what I did to it? And she was like, yeah, what did you do? And I said, well, I was thinking about what to inject it with because that's part of the process of frying a turkey. I said, I made what almost is my own buffalo sauce. And she looked at me, and from that point on, I don't think she even ate any turkey. <laughs> and was like, why would you do that? And I, the process, I told her, you just said that turkey was really good. And now I've told you that I injected it with a homemade buffalo sauce. She's like, Mary. probably not what you would call it. But she's like, that is so ghetto. She was like, Merry, yeah. she was like, Merry Christmas. What? You made you made me a big chicken wing. Yeah. <laughs> Merry that's, Christmas. That's exactly how she treated it. Her statement. That's so ghetto. And it's fried. <laughs> and it's fried. Did you have Listen. any celery and carrots with it? Oh. And some buffalo, uh, like uh, blue cheese. No, but I should have. Blue cheese stuffing. And listen, it wasn't, but it wasn't buffalo turkey that we were having. But when I started putting the components together, I realized and kind of laughed to myself. I was like, that's kind of what goes into a buffalo sauce. Dude, you got to do this. Hey, Nedge, don't even worry about it. I was thinking of you when I was making this turkey, so I really upped my game and used some ingredients was from from my heart. <laughs> what? Yeah. I thought you knew my wife. My wife, dude, she'd have cussed me out if I'd have said some nonsense like that. But what I did with this turkey, and I'm going to share what produced the best fried turkey I've ever made. And I've done a lot of them in my life. This was the best. In fact, I'm already thinking about it. I'm about to go have me a big old turkey sandwich when I get home. I took... And I created the injection. You know, Cajun injection is sort of the default that people do. It's funny because folks up in this part of the country have no idea what Cajun means. But what I took was a lot of butter and hot sauce, a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, (laughs) 
Oh, why is that funny? Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. I can't say it either. So it's all good. Salt, garlic, and pepper. And this turkey is amazing. Now, before I put it in the fryer, I also took the last little bit of that concoction and I rubbed the turkey down and hit that joker with the seasoning salt that I created. Boom, 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 boom. The turkey is dope, guys. Hmm. But because I used the word buffalo, my wife's whole memory of this Christmas turkey is going to be, that was the year we had that ghetto turkey. Yeah, like so. Come on, man. You know, after hearing the end result, zero husbands listening to the show wrote that recipe down. Zero. They're like, that's nah. a good point. I, if that's an excellent point, <laughs> I have to say that opening my present, uh, the girls opening their presents or seeing Christmas for the first time was a cool thing. But the coolest thing I saw, I told y'all coming in, I felt weird last night, and I don't know if it was all the Christmas cheer, but about nine thirty, I started breaking out like in a fever. So I went to sleep. I took some medicine, went to sleep. Man, I was seeing like pink elephants. <laughs> All kinds of crazy unicorns, Cleveland making the playoffs, all kinds of craziness. It reminded me of a time when I was little. Y'all know how there's two bowls of eggnog, right? Yeah. Two bowls. Why are there two bowls of eggnog? You got into the grown folks' eggnog? I got into the grown folks' eggnog one night, went to sleep. I think I ran a fever that night. I had elves crawling all over me (laughs) in bed till this day. I get freaked out by all elves. <laughs> I can't let one of my kids bring in an elf on the shelf in the same room with me. It just creeps me out. Maybe you're allergic to eggnog. Could be. I didn't have any last night. I th- I don't know. I think it was a perfect storm. But, yeah, some of that crazy stuff <laughs> I saw, like, off of Misfit Toys, <laughs> I thought. Speaking of elves, have you guys seen the Netflix movie Bright yet? No. With Will Smith? It's kind of bizarre. I want you guys to check it out, and we'll we'll rehash that. If you haven't seen it out there on Netflix, if you got nothing to do for about two hours and twenty minutes, check it out. I suppose it's kind of wild. It's almost like Dungeons and Dragons beats NYPD Blue. It's a cop show set in a world that has orcs and elves and dwarves and fairies and magic. It's weird, huh. and it's like a gritty cop show, like rampart or something it's weird that sounds weird it's that sounds kind of unfair too it's kind of like you know the walking dead had their run and game of thrones was like all right we're gonna have dragons and zombies we're gonna have some of y'all stuff zombies and then we're gonna have wizards dragons and all this other stuff yeah it's bizarre. that's not fair well stick to your category you know what i'm saying you have to belong in a box huh well i mean it's just not very real, realistic. You know, dragons are realistic by themselves, Chris. <laughs> my children <laughs> almost bought my wife the perfect Christmas gift, and they couldn't find the right size. And this was not something we sought out. But, you know, with the two littler kids, I can't call them little anymore because they're grown. But I took them, and we were killing time waiting to go see the Chinese light our Chinese Lantern Festival up in Cary. Anybody who gets an opportunity to get up there, I don't know how much longer it's running. Go check that out. That's really, really cool. But we were like a split family. We were one place, and my wife was another because we get kids' engagements, whatever. We were killing time, and I figured, well, let me take you guys over 
find some last last minute presents for mom. And we wound up in Target. And I don't know how we got there, but we got into women's pajamas and they found a onesie that was a dragon and it had a dragon hood on it and it had wings stitched into the back of it. And it was a real comfortable Jersey material that would have been awesome for my wife, but they only had an XL that wasn't going to work. Dude, you already made her Buffalo turkey. I know, right? (laughs) Don't put her in a onesie. We needed needed a medium, but Uh, that would have been the greatest gift. And I hate that I didn't think about it ahead of time because we should have ordered that. That would have been awesome. Dragons are her thing. She's a little nerd like that when it comes to it. Oh, she likes dragons. But she's not like, oh, God, yeah. Well, that's her high school mascot. And Mm. that, yeah. And, you know, whatever. But. I'd have put some thought into that. That would have been a winner at Christmas. Now, she never would have worn it. She would have worn it like Christmas night and then never again, but it would have been. So everybody in the room here in the studio, we're all going to uh, Chris's next year's Thanksgiving at his house to have some of that Caribbean jerk turkey that he's going to be putting together for next year. Look, I'm telling you, man. You come by and get yourself a sandwich. And while you're there, you can get some of the leftover gumbo. Because that gumbo, banging. And I told, I imparted my secret ingredient to Trent. I'm not going to say it on the air because it is secret. So you've been you've been dropped the knowledge. But Nedge ah. and I added a thing to the Holy Trinity that is the base for all good gumbo. All gumbo, period. You can't have gumbo without onion, celery, green pepper. But we have a fourth component that we've added to our gumbo recipe and it just sets it off. We'd make a great gumbo. Well, you know, the Atkins family started a new tradition. We did the Low Country Boil this year, and that thing was off the hook. And but, you you have to pour it on newspaper. Okay. Why, why you have to pour it on newspaper? I have no idea, <laughs> but you can't just pour it on any other material. It's okay, got to be on I newspaper. Need the food, I need the food professional to make a judgment on your Low Country Boil. Okay. And and don't get it twisted because anytime you're like, Chris, I'm going to boil some shrimp and potatoes and corn and whatever the case might be, I'm on. I'm, I'm in, in. Doesn't matter. Crawfish, you throw anything in there that you want to. However, my, my question, Trent Nichols, is it okay to call this a low country boil when he does not put any seasoning at all into the boil? All right, I have here's a re- how he does. Now here's have, his methodology. Hold on, hold on. I have Go a ahead. revision to make. I have a revision to make. Uh, you made me wise to this, and I dump a whole crapload of Old Bay into it before we. You're went. okay then. Uh, what he had been doing, just Old to clarify, Bay usually is the after seasoning. That's well, what I told him. But apparently, but to every recipe you that can't, I there is the certain spices that you have to have in the boil. Well, here's the thing, and this is for folks, and and North Carolina is sort of the tipping point for a crab boil. What what just happened? We're doing we're the squad halt. Everybody take take cover. <laughs> I thought we were I don't at the Olympics. Know what just happened? Are we at the Olympics? Tim Tim <laughs> but, but here's Tim right, was here's, trying to fist bump me through the window. I, uh, cool. Well, he was telling us that this break was coming, and now I know. <coughs> Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Trent Nichols. We'll see you later. Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott.
was just a tiny baby. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, bringing you a student analysis. Diamond Dave, enjoy the beach for another couple days before you come back and slang that insurance. Yeah, he would man. say the coolest thing he saw at Christmas was the ocean. Yeah. I mean, well, sand in his toes. You know, they, they do that. Dave does not fool around when it comes to the beach. Dave. No. I I don't even know. He may that may actually be his address of record. I don't know. He's at the beach all the time. But yeah, we miss you, Dave. Come on back, Diamond Dave Kaplan. I'm sure we'll be here next. Now he won. I don't even know why I said that. He ain't gonna be here next week. He's still gonna be at the beach. Anyway, back to this low country boil. I'm not gonna belabor the point, but the way Brandon had been doing it is he's been boiling everything up, taking it out, and then hitting it with all of his seasoning. But my point is. Two things. First of all, North Carolina is sort of the tipping point because when you get south of here, Old Bay is not a thing. Zatarans is it. And if you put anything else in your crab boil, you you might be taken out and beaten to death. Yeah. Now, I can't do it because of the commercial. The Zatarans. I can't do it. It's I don't too even annoying. Know the commercial you're talking about. You've seen it, too. I've never heard. I don't even. You've seen it. Everybody in, they keep trying to sell it up here in North Carolina. Zatarans ain't going to get it done. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going I'm to make this commitment to you. I'm going to do a crab boil at some point this, this spring. And then I want you to make your determination. And in any commercial that you've seen will be out of play. Now, you may decide Old Bay is the way to go. But north of here, I don't even think you can buy Zatarans. Uh, it's just so this is sort of the tipping point. I've lived all over the country, and that's the difference. The other thing, too, is that here and north of here, it's like an event. I'm going to boil some shrimp. In the deep south, down in Alabama and Mississippi, I'm going to make dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just something that happens with a whole lot more regularity. But we need to have like a – we were talking about doing a barbecue festival, doing a chili festival. Doing, why not? We should do like a boiled seafood festival right here. 
Well, How are you feeling about that? Sounds good to me. One thing I did do as a nice little touch is I bought some because these come in their shells. These shrimp do. For the ladies, I dropped in some deveined shrimps just at the very end. You got to cut the heat for the shrimp, put them in. Then the deveined shrimp, about three dozen of those. They came out nice. They didn't have to do anything with them. It's us guys that like to get in there and like, wow, let me tear this apart. So I'm, I'm here to, I'm going to ask you this too. So when you peel your shrimp right, and you eat it, you like actually take the second to get the poop out of the vein? Not, not, uh, not like that. Not that one. Not that one. You, you leave that in. Although I do prefer a devein shrimp, but when you do a low country boil, you don't mess with all that. I'm just asking. All right. So you've got your cooking advice, but you said something interesting when we were talking about, because I gave you a little bit of grief about your, your shrimp boil. Yeah. And I told you, how you can't just boil it. Well, I wish you had, in return, told me about your buffalo turkey. I would have told you to run away. <laughs> Dude, it wasn't a buffalo turkey. But it, I digress. What you said was, after I hit you over the head about that and told you, this is how we do it down in the, in the real south, you went to YouTube. Yeah. It's and safe. watched the videos. Here's my thing. How did society... How did civilization advance before YouTube? There literally is nothing I can't do right now. Because I'm like, you want me to who? Hold up. Let me look at a video. It's like the Matrix. I need to fly that helicopter over there. And it's like. But. Yeah, exactly. Fly a helicopter. No problem. There's a YouTube video. I'll find it. Here's the other. It has started to go the other direction too though because there are times where things that I've done a thousand times in my life my wife is like well look at the YouTube video for it and I'm like but I know how to do this no 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 but that's not how they do it in the video okay wait a minute there's a lot of different ways to do things YouTube and me aren't always going to agree. And obviously, there's a gazillion people out there creating YouTube videos. So don't fall prey. Just think about how many millions of lives YouTube has saved. It saved my life this year when I fried the Christmas turkey. Just one step that I could have blown myself up, set everybody's house in the neighborhood on fire, and it saved my life. Saving... YouTube. Li- saving saving lives one dumbass redneck at a time. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> that should be their new tagline. Yeah. But here's the other piece of it, too, is so many times my kids will come to me with a question. And I used to think, man, they're lazy. They've got that phone that we pay all these dollars for with the service that we pay all these dollars for. They should just go to Google. And I realized not too long ago, I'm missing parenting opportunities. Yeah, that's what I was Because I'm like, say. look that up on YouTube instead of, come here, let me show you how <laughs> we do that. So I go out of my way, especially with the boys, to kind of teach them man stuff. You know, because there's things that, that these young men need to know and we're failing them because we're letting these phones raise these kids. Am I, am I lying? Am I wrong? You know what your kid did? He went and Googled. Why doesn't my dad give me any advice? <laughs> and it said, see Google. Yeah, yeah. There's a YouTube Watch video, video on that. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
we're all bad parents, man. But these kids, I, I don't know if this next generation of kids is going to be the one that, you know, land a, moon, a person on Mars, cure cancer, or if they're just going to shut the whole thing down. We'll all have dementia because nobody has to use their brains anymore. Wow. Well, it's, like a, it's like a backup camera in a car now. I can't drive. I've got a 78 Bronco. It doesn't have a backup <laughs> camera. Do you know how many people I've killed since I got that thing? <laughs> or almost almost killed? I can't even I use don't know the backup drive. camera, though. It confuses the heck out of me. I think you just made us accessories to your <laughs> yeah, great vehicular job. manslaughter. I don't know, man. I wasn't in that segment, officer. All right, so... <laughs> Do we need NFC, to talk any NFC playoff picture. We should probably listen to sports because we've got sports fans tuning out all across the country. All right, NFC playoff picture. Philly, Minnesota, L.A., New Orleans, and the Panthers are your top five teams in the NFC. The Falcons with a win this weekend are in. If they lose and Seattle wins, Seattle gets in. That's it. Nobody else is in. Nobody else has a chance, which means that Detroit, as we've talked about, is out. It also means Dallas misses the playoffs. Jason Garrett, how long does he get to do this? He's safe for at least one more year. The big boss came out and says he's got confidence in his guy, Jerry Jones. And and – Remember, he had Tony Romo, a portrait of Tony Romo behind his office desk. When he decides he likes you, he really, really likes you. He definitely is a loyal guy. So I think somebody needs to go to Jerry and be like, hey, Jerry, what's the definition of insanity? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know who is gone from Dallas, right? Who's gone? Des Bryant, last year. In a Dallas uniform. I'm calling it here. Well, yeah, wow. I know. Everyone's saying they need to go find a number one wide receiver. Dez has gotten to the point in his career that he is the only one watching or experiencing that knows that he has lost not one but two steps. He can't get over the top anymore. He's got to do these like little quick outs and be able to out-jump a DB. And the, the big problem with him is if he would just keep his mouth shut, he'd be all right. But he goes up there and throws a tantrum, then turns around and drops like three passes. You well, can't do both. It's funny that you say that because what you don't know is I actually had a conversation going on with a Dallas Cowboy fan, friend of mine, right. while that unfolded. And I texted him in the midst of Dez's tirade. God, I love when Dez starts screaming at people because he's bound to mess something up. And about 45 seconds later – fumbles, and the game turns. You can't I, do both. You can't, you can't be, you know, a prima donna and not, you know, turn out the results. You can't do both. you got to be able to, you know, I get if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. And when that ceases to happen, you got to go. Because who wants to deal with the headache where somebody's over there screaming? I mean, look at Brock Osweiler turns the ball over like a gazillion times and he's yelling at the bench and they're all looking at him like, who are you? Nobody's listening. <clears throat> well, you know who's going to Dallas? Who's that? Mr. Earl Thomas. What in the hell? How the heck that does that fan allowed? Move? And why the heck did they allow that to get out? 
I, it's bizarre that it happened because Earl Thomas, if, if you don't know, well, we come back after the break and we'll let you know. You're listening to us on WDCC, WBLZ, or the podcast. We love you guys. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Welcome back to the Food Network. I'm hey. Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. We're still arguing about shrimp boils and the proper sequence and seasoning. But first, and everything else. Tim, we got to kill that intro. We've already all taken a vote on it. We hate it. That intro's got to go. Now, I'm Chris Lambert. <laughs> I'm Brandon Atkins. It's got to go. I love it. Hey, I'm I like Brandon it. Atkins. I, I sound I'm like a, a garden gnome. I sound like a muppet. <laughs> so I'm throwing down the gauntlet, Brandon. We need to talk to our friends at Libations, and we need to have a shrimp boil, and we need to divide the whole place in half. One side will be Zatarans, one side will be Old Bay, and we'll go at it, and we'll let the people decide. You so down? you're gonna you're gonna let a room full of North Carolinians decide yep. this? Okay. Yep. Well, you're taking a little. I know risk some there. I, I I got this, man. You down? Sure. Yeah. Right, you know, cool. I got the equipment, bro. You see my equipment, uh, and that's the thing is I don't have presently. Well, yeah, I guess I do if I wanted to. But you've got two matching boilers. Yeah. It's on. Trent, you in? I'm in. All right, cool. You can be the officiant for that. I'll be the judge. No, not the judge. I'll just be the referee. Yeah, you'll be the referee, the MC. You can wear your striped you – know, you got plenty of striped <laughs> jerseys in the house. So you're good. Yeah, that'll be great, man. We'll do that. And uh, <laughs> I'm, your, I'm does, 100% in to make this happen. I can just see Trent's wife, hey, going in there and getting your ref jersey thing. <laughs> I'll meet you in the bedroom. <laughs> so my only question is, is does New York get involved and in, like, ah, time out, time out, time out. We need to review that. Is that only for the final two minutes? Final two the, minutes? Uh, Wait. <laughs> <laughs> hold up, hold up. We, I we, love Trent because Trent, there's times where I hit Brandon and Brandon's like wide-eyed. Is like, what are you talking about? Trent knows what I'm talking about. 
Anyway, God. We only play the two-minute warning, buddy. That's all I practice. <laughs> it's a two-minute drive. two-minute drill? Yeah. Score right. touchdown! Well, see, in the, in the Atkins, we have overtime over here, bro. Oh, Not me. Geez. I'm like, damn, I left too much time on the clock, didn't I, baby? <laughs> Son of a gun. I'm never going to score, score now. Yeah. Right when she's worn out, I spike the ball. I stop the clock. <laughs> but what kind of end zone celebration do you do? That's the question. It's a it's a happy dance right to the kitchen to grab a sandwich. <laughs> My name. <laughs> hey. Hey, honey, can you uh, press on pause? I'm going to be in there to watch that Friends episode in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> my my celebration are over. My my celebration is the old throwback roll over and start snoring immediately. <laughs> Look, I I was just gonna put something out there on blast, but I'm not gonna do that. All right, so I've got you guys a gift. And what? you guys have been looking at this bag and don't have any idea what's in it. This is for you guys collectively. And I wanna incorporate this into the show. So I'm going to let Trent do the honors and and open that up. Nice. Because I'm thinking, you know, we have guests in here all the time. And we talk about, you know, mundane stuff. We think it's interesting. But we love to argue about stuff. I have the game. It's, Trent, what do you got? I got a black box. And it says, Super Fight, a game of absurd arguments. Nice. How perfect. Unbelievable. So what I want to do here is apparently I haven't read the instructions. You wanna you wanna like give us a synopsis? Me and Brandon will continue on here while you read the instructions. And I think we should play this here right on the air. Okay, go for it. So Brandon, the bottom line with the NFC, to recap, there is drama in the final week. You've got Seattle. Who's Seattle got this week? I think the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. And let me verify. I'm pretty right. sure it is. And if Atlanta wins yeah, against Carolina, Atlanta's in. If Carolina knocks them off, and I really think Carolina's gonna. Yeah. In particular because I don't think Carolina if they want to get to the Super Bowl, I don't think they want to see Atlanta again. Well, get ready for Seattle to be in there because I think Carolina's going to knock them off. I think Atlanta's just worn out, and Seattle plays at home, so the Cardinals are going to have to deal with the 12th man. Do you know that? Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're in Philly, you're praying that Atlanta beats Carolina. Philly doesn't want any part of Russell Wilson in round one. Or anybody else, really. I mean, and I guess well, round one because who's who's your matchups? Let me get back to this real quick. So, I'm well, making a mess. What, I'm making well, a no, mess. Has, Philly has a it bye. Won't be, it no. won't, yeah, they have the bye. So my fault. Was the big thing is that really, unless Atlanta gets in, and I'm not knocking Atlanta, they could easily beat Carolina when they have it going. They have it going, but there are no easy outs in NFC. And I I'm, agree, man. That's a, This is a stacked group of teams in the NFC, and it kind of speaks to where we're at with the NFL because parity – I don't know if you say, well, there is parity because you look one through six in the NFC, and you can make a case for any one of these teams to make a run at the Super Bowl. And the Carson Wentz in, injury kind of was the ultimate equalizer. Right. I want you, based on the six – 
or even the seven. We'll include Atlanta and Seattle right now. I want you, with those seven teams, I want you to pick an NFC team for the Super Bowl. Who's going? Ooh, God, man, that's tough. Um, I'm y'all are gonna laugh at me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Carolina Panthers. They are. I know Tampa Bay was ugly, but Tampa Bay always makes us play ugly. That's the thing about the Panthers is they always play to the level of the competition, whoever it is. But they beat Minnesota. They should have beaten the Eagles earlier in the year and coughed it up. I think they travel well. They win. They actually didn't. They started off bad because they were losing games at home. So I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to take Carolina too, but I'm going to take them for a completely different reason. And this may strike some people as crazy talk, but when I look at the quarterbacks in the NFC of those seven teams, I'll take Cam Newton over all of those guys. Including Drew Brees wow. at this advanced stage in his career. But if you look at it, you've got Nick Foles out there with the Eagles. I'm not a believer. You got golf, no experience in the playoffs. Boom. Case Keenum, who is, you know, pulled magic out of his behind this year and gotten Minnesota to where they're at. Brees, I think right now that offense in New Orleans doesn't scare me. And I know Kamara and Ingram are on the NFL Network talking to Deion Sanders week after week. He loves these guys. It's something different. But I haven't seen that type offense succeed in the postseason. And they just don't have enough weapons on offense that they scare me. And I'm just still not believing in that defense. And I know we opened the show and I said, hey, you know, the New Orleans Saints were Bitcoin and I'm, I'm buying them. Not to win the Super Bowl. Not to even get to the Super Bowl. I'm going to take Carolina with you, too. But I'm going to tell you, if you play those L.A. Rams, you better figure out how to stop Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley has put up a year that just defies description. That dude is something else. So the NFC. Well, and you got to also see this past weekend we beat Tampa Bay, and I called you up. Thomas Davis, that was a huge loss on that one-game suspension. Because they they constantly went left. That's where Thomas Davis is. He plays on the right side, and he chases people down sideline to sideline. And it was glaringly obvious that he was not in that game. And Tampa Bay took advantage. Um, and I'm is there any way, Trent? I hate to do this to you because you're doing all kinds of research, but if New Orleans could move out of their current spot, up or down, that would be nice. Because right now they're matched up with the Panthers. They're the only team that I'm terrified of in terms of the matchups with the Panthers. If they could somehow either team move out of that spot, that would make me feel even better about a uh, a run for Carolina going into the NFC Championship or coming out of the NFC as as well. See, I mean, I think I'm more in the uh, on the wagon with the the Saints. I mean, but the the thing, history kind of goes against them. They don't have great odds. Since 1990, there's been 16 times when a team has swept the regular season and then met that opponent uh, for a third time in the playoffs. The team that swept the regular season, though, is 11-5. and five. So, yeah. I mean, the Saints, that would be probably the toughest team for Carolina to play against. And with the experience, I mean, I'm kind of 
on the fence, you guys are saying I'd take Cam Newton. You know what, Cam Newton, you rattle him a little bit. Well, he, he he wasn't diving after a fumble in the Super Bowl. What makes you think during the crunch time in the playoffs yeah, he's going to pick that ball up and run it in? I think the Saints could have their number, and that's who I'm going with. Yeah, but if you had Von Miller in your back pocket all game long, I mean, there was nothing. Nobody blocked him all year. I mean, he should have dove on it, but nobody blocked him all game long. But I'll say um, I'm looking at the NFC. I can't say the same thing. I don't want to get out of the NFC, I guess, but I can't say the same thing for the AFC. I started at the top, and I was like, whoa, maybe it's comparable. You got the Patriots. You got Steelers. Then you get to Jacksonville. I'm not sure. I know they are good, but with the quarterback play there, I'm not sold. And Kansas City didn't even know if they're going to be in the playoffs two weeks ago, according to all of us. I think you hit it on the head. It, It couldn't be more different. Because if you look at the AFC, I think that New England is the odds-on favorite. Now, prior to the season, there were people asking, with the addition of Brandon Cooks in particular to that offense, is it possible that this is the best New England team of all time? That that question's been answered. They are a team that is flawed. That running back by committee is not a position of strength. It's a necessity, and they figure out, okay, what are the best matchups, whether it's going to be James White, Deion Lewis, Burkhead, whomever running the football. Gronk is still Gronk, and in crunch time, that's where they're going. He is the safety blanket for Tom Brady. You've got to figure out a way to take away Gronk, but if you can, and you can make Brady move around, and that offensive line is not stellar, New England can be beat. That said, they are the odds-on favorite for me to win the AFC. Pittsburgh, if Antonio Brown's not at 100%, they are a candidate to go one and done, period. If they get Antonio Brown, if they can stay alive long enough for Antonio Brown to be back healthy, they are the other team that would sort of be the 1B to New England. Now, the wild card, and when I say wild card, I don't mean the wild card entrance into the playoffs – But the two teams that could make some noise in the AFC, Jacksonville, but man, Blake Bortles, if we're going to say Philly's out because Nick Foles can't get it done, Blake Bortles is just not good at football. Not at the level where where you're talking about the top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL. Blake Bortles at some point is going to have to make enough plays for Jacksonville to do something. And I don't want to hear that, well, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. Dude, those are those are aberrations. There's They're no blips on the radar. They are complete outliers. In today's NFL, where these guys are passing for 4,500 yards a year, you have to have top-notch quarterback. Plus, to there's Bowl, no defense in this year's NFL that's even remotely close to that Ravens team. Like, If there is, it's Jacksonville. Jacksonville plays downhill. They play aggressive. They're going to put pressure on you at every position. I just don't know offensively. The other component to that Jacksonville team is what Fournette, what's Fournette going to do? Fournette got out of the gate at the beginning of the year and looked like he might be, you know, O.J. Simpson. It's been real hit or miss since then. People basically pack the box. They say, hey, look, Fournette's not going to get us. Yeah. Bortles is going to have to. Now, Jacksonville's continued to get it done. But you can't go drop a game to San Francisco. Mm, there's a guy named Garoppolo there who's like might say something different. And, you know, Garoppolo gets on my nerves. You know why? Why is that? Because he's good. And 
he's also good looking. You know, I know this has probably happened to you, probably rarely you, Chris, because you think you're the best thing since sliced bread for sure. Wow. But, um, you know, there's – and when I was competing in, you know, I guess in high school and I guess in life, it was one thing for you to be better than me. I might be able to go, hey, well, at least I'm better looking. I could limp off the field. And, then, you know, if – and I guess I'll come back with – Finish that thought Do after that. the break. You're listening to From the Jeep Seats on WBLZ. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert. Professor Trent Nichols is running the show today because Schlepprock has bailed on us. And Brandon Atkins, we're here. Now, I said right going into the break, and nobody took the bait, Jacksonville, we talk about how great that defense is. You know, this defense is amazing. Maybe they're playing at, you know, the Raven level. Maybe in 85 Bears is probably a little bit. That's a little bit too much hyperbole. But they're a fun defense to watch. They put a lot of pressure on you. Great athletes all over the ball. This past weekend, though, they roll out to San Francisco and a suddenly hot 49ers team puts it on them. Drops 44. Now, Bortles, 382 he goes for. But those three picks, man. 382, he's 32-50 of 50 for 382, two touchdowns, but three picks. Jimmy G doing his thing. And we talked about, you know, belief in your quarterback. San Francisco, those players, that franchise believes they have found their guy. And we kind of clowned them when they made the deal at the break and said, well, this guy's a free agent at the end of the year. Well, he's done enough that at this point he ain't going anywhere. And dropping the franchise tag on him would be the move. But I think Garoppolo is em- is embracing this. He's out there. It's like California is a great place to be. Well, you can't tell me you're going talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you look at the AFC South, the Titans, Houston, Texans, and the Colts, their record, the last they've lost the last 14 games. So my point is Titans lost three in a row. Houston's lost five in a row, and the Colts have lost six in a row, and you get six shots at these three teams. That's six wins right there. I mean, I know you can't – it's not a you know a gimme with the Titans maybe, but for the other two, you can just go ahead and put those in the wins column. So, well, I mean, it might okay, be a but, little – But how long, was, is... how long was Peyton Manning feasting on those other three teams? And look at, look at, at uh, New England. New England for years has gotten a free stroll 
through the AFC East. Yeah, but they get past that, and then they beat the rest of the That's league true. in the playoffs. I mean, and we've Jacksonville, seen that we, we talked about the fact that it is a process, and we talked about this with the L.A. Rams. The thing I don't like about the Rams is they haven't been there before. Right. And they don't have a whole lot of guys. You know, they didn't bring in a whole lot of seasoned vets that had that playoff experience. It's a it's a I think it's fair to say they will have to show the world that the moment is not too big for them. Jacksonville, even more so, because Jacksonville has been a doormat with this squad up until this year. See, but Jacksonville's number three in the uh the uh, NFL in defense. They're number one against the pass, but they're number 21 against the rush. Now, if you're looking at Pittsburgh being one and done, if they're going to heavily rely on the rush, the only team that's better against the rush than Pittsburgh in the AFC is the Baltimore Ravens. And they're not better against the rush than Pittsburgh. They're the ones that can shut down the rush better than any other team in the playoffs. I hear you. I hear you. So, looking at the AFC, is anybody going to disagree with my statement that New England is a clear number one, Pittsburgh is 1B, but that's only if Antonio Brown is back healthy, and then the other four teams that get in, and that would include your last seed, which is either going to be Tennessee, who's the leader in the clubhouse, San Diego and Buffalo still have a shot, Neither one of them are going to excite anybody. San Diego looked as hot as anybody. They just could not drop that game to Kansas City. Baltimore could get in as well. Baltimore's in. So the only observation well, Baltimore is most likely in. Yeah. Let's say that. Baltimore is most likely in. The team teams that are in for sure, New England, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Kansas City. The only the only point I would make about Pittsburgh. Is that, I don't know if you watched this last week's game. You did, you Chris. So basically, Juju Smith Schuster got put into Antonio Brown's position, and Roethlisberger made the comment that, "Dude, I'm gonna throw to you, but I need to be able to trust you." And he tore it up, Juju Smith Schuster. Now, if they can do that, I don't know. It's a Houston team that's beaten up. They don't Houston, have JJ White. Houston's but, punched out. But here's the deal: if Pittsburgh, if Antonio Brown can come back and Schuster's playing like that, I mean, Big Ben's going to be like a kid in a candy store. I mean, they're going to be totally so much better. I mean, I still feel like they can beat the Patriots. I think they're probably equal. See, and I think that's where I don't – if Pittsburgh wins and they have to play the Patriots, I don't think they beat them. I think the Patriots got their number. Uh, They had a shot to get some – mental mojo back and they floundered it and the Patriots ended up winning I think yeah but you make it sound like they blew them out they beat them 27 to 24 but they should have beat them Pittsburgh should have won that game and they they got you know they they got their swag tag it away and Brady did it again and that's all they're going to think about no matter what the score is they could have lost by one point and I mean, I don't think there's a team in the AFC. I just don't think there's that will beat the Patriots. I just don't think there's that much separation. Like, it, there's no clear cut. They're number one in my eyes. Well, I think that's, Pittsburgh. That's fair. I mean, and you can say that based on the track record, and and you can look at the game at Pittsburgh two different ways. You can look at it and say Pittsburgh walks out of there and says, you know, we had those guys. We can beat them. 
Or you can look at it, and and what I think is more likely is they look at it, and on some level they're like, man, we gave them our best shot. We had them, and they still managed to find a way to win. They were up two scores with 10 minutes to play, and now they may have to go to Foxborough. Yeah, and that's I mean, a whole different animal. Pittsburgh, don't lose sight of the fact they're 1-7 and seven in their last eight against New England when you include the playoffs. They just kind of have their number. Now, I've said that too, though. New England is not invulnerable. They're, they're beatable. This is not, you know, the big team up on the hill. Now, the question, I guess, is who's your pick? Right now today, coming out of the AFC, who you got? New England Patriots, Tom Brady. Brandon. I think I like the Pittsburgh Steelers if Brown's back. It's a big if. If Brown's no, back, I like no, no, the Steelers. No, 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 no. We got to commit one way or the other. <laughs> I think that's a pretty big if. Brown's <laughs> – yeah, but Brown's supposed to be back. I picked the Steelers. I like right. them. I feel like they can do more – I mean, you know, let's put it this way. I think the Patriots are more likely to drop a game – on the way to the AFC Championship than the Steelers. I think the Steelers take care of business until they get to the AFC Championship. When New England signs James Harrison, <laughs> that emotional attachment, dude. I New England is going to the Super Bowl. I can't believe that nobody signed him yet. Start, start designing a new Super Bowl ring because I, New England's be going to get it. I just like Wouldn't his. That be something? I like James Harrison's energy and kind of leadership. Well, I, mean, I thought that the Patriots would pick him up just for that fact that when they play Pittsburgh, they can have James Harrison out there, and there's no bigger middle finger than being like, "Booyah, boys! You sent me away. I'll gotcha." Well, the other thing too, and this is whether this he is plays legit. or not, it doesn't matter. Well, this is legit. Even if even if Harrison never played it down. If you had Harrison Camp right next to Josh McDaniel, watching the calls come in, watching the formations, that's a very Belichick move. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at all if James Harrison ends up in New England. New England for the rest of the year. Interesting. Very, very, very interesting. Watch, watch the Jets beat New England this coming up week. Watch it. That would be so fun, so much fun. I don't know why I get so much pleasure out of uh, New England losing. I, I get just pleasure out of them losing as well, but I do respect the greatness that is because sure. that that legitimately and it's it's hard to say that well we may never see it again whatever but it, I don't believe that in my lifetime I'm going to see an NFL team that goes on a more dominant run than New England's been on the last 15 or 16 years. I just don't think I'm going to live to see it. And certainly there are people now from way back in the day who talk about Cleveland and the damage they did before the before the merger. Or they talk about, you know, Green Bay in those first couple of years. Or you talk about the Dallas Cowboys and, or the 49ers with their run in the 80s and 90s. And the Steelers. And the, Ste- and the Steelers. <laughs> well, you've never seen two people like Belichick and Brady do it with so many different parts. Like That's, they just interchange Well, these I mean, parts. because even you have the 49ers with Montana and Walsh, they had the same core. Yeah, you absolutely. You Taylors, start talking about those guys. You had Jerry Rice. You had That's the right. Roger Craigs, you know. They didn't have Tom Brady. Talk about reboot every year. Yeah, I mean Ronnie Lott was there. Here's with the all 49ers. your new pieces. Go now get them. Now things started to pivot when you got to Dallas 
a little bit later than that because they brought in the free agent components and then they, you know, Dion was there and Charles Haley and those guys who played for 49ers and for the Cowboys. But in this age of free agency where you've got that constant real turnover, you look at this New England team that's doing what it's doing now and you track back to that first Super Bowl victory versus the Rams, there is only two common denominators. Belichick and Brady. Right. And everything else has changed. And, I mean, you look back, it's amazing. It really is amazing. i got to give props. I do hate the Patriots, but I have much respect for what they've done. Well, I give the NFL a uh, props for giving me a nice Christmas gift and putting all the games that matter at 4 o'clock this weekend. Every game that matters for a playoff spot is at 4 o'clock. You have nine games. So no team in the early game will know – What's going on? Everyone's going to have to play. And I like that. That was a good move. It is. I like it. It is. And and sometimes with the flex issues, you know, they, they do things for ratings or whatever. But this is a legit uh, competitive balance thing so that nobody gets Best a chance to league. sit. Yep. It is. I love it. I'm with you, Trey. Good, for, good job print, pointing that out. We'll be back. You're listening on the WBLZ Network. We are from the Chief Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome to the last half hour. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. And we've been talking, we've been real heavy NFL. But I want to do something a little bit different. Trent, you ready? You about to give us the breakdown? Yeah, yeah, I am ready. All right, so we've brought Super Fight into the studio. And I don't have any idea. This just looked cool. Trent, is this going to be cool? I think so. All right. All right. So we got to separate the white-backed cards Boom. and the black-backed cards. Done. So Dude. the white-backed are the characters and the black-backed are the attributes. This seems a little racist. <laughs> it's really <Yeah. laughs> segregation. Attributes, attributes. Youngest player goes first. So hmm. I guess that, that would, would be uh, me. <laughs> I guess that would be me. Uh, player one oh. starts by drawing three white cards and three black cards. You can look at them, but don't let anyone else see them. Ooh. All right. Player two, the next player to the left, does the same. Each player chooses one white card and one black card from their hand to create a fighter and places those <laughs> cards face down. All right. Boom. So do we one look white at the card and one black card? Do we one, look at the black cards too? Yeah, you can look at all of them apparently. Okay. All right. So I guess here what you have to do is is create the best 
player or fighter and uh, give an attribute and then argue as to who would win. Yes. So next, both players turn over their cards and revere the, reveal their fighters. Each player then draws a random black card from the deck and adds it to their fighter. This uh, is, what did you what now? This is gonna be bad. <laughs> what just happened? All right, Brandon and Chris. I guess you guys are fighting. This is the first the first match. All right. Okay. So we. All right. I've got my fighter. Boom. Well, I, yeah, I got my fighter here. Okay. Right. So now we add. You a, turn over your cards and reveal their fighters. So Chris's fighter is a mafia <laughs> don, armed with a shotgun that shoots shotguns. Shoot shotguns. Yes. Brandon. Brandon's fighter is Helen Keller, and she is armed with a super sniper, a sniper rifle. rifle. A sniper rifle. I can't read that far over here. All right. So now each of you will draw a random black card from the deck and add it to their fighter. Should we go oh, ahead and go to hell now? <laughs> All right, gentlemen. This is a cakewalk. All right, so both players so, argue and plead their cases so about card, why their fighters yeah, you put will that win one the out there too. So, all right, so for those of you at home, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the extra attribute is the Mafia Don that shoots shotguns now controls all animals, and Helen Keller that is armed with a sniper <laughs> rifle. <laughs> With, lit with literal jazz hands. Literally, she had jazz hands. So, the pro okay, Brandon, you need to argue your argument of why Helen Keller with jazz hands and a sniper rifle will beat this Mafia Don that is armed with a shotgun that shoots shotguns but can control all animals. I'm just going to say that my fighter speaks for itself and... My case rests. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by the shade of red that that Chris is right now. All right, Chris, let's hear it. Um, I I can't. No, you, you're not allowed to rest your case. I definitely want to hear how Helen Keller shooting a sniper rifle with j literal jazz hands is going to beat my mafia don with a shotgun that shoots shotguns and controls all animals. <laughs> I am. I'm gonna have this mafia don. My mafia don would call upon seagulls from across the globe to come and dive bomb Helen Keller and pick her eyes and out. Pick her eyes out. Well, of she her can't head. see. I, or so here. she has no use. Here. I, I know she has no use for the eyes. So we're just gonna pluck them out. Okay. Here's my argument. Helen Keller, armed with a sniper rifle. I don't even need this jazz hands card. I just take it away. That one wins. That fighter wins. Helen Keller can't see. So what good is the sniper rifle? That mean it is dangerous for everyone. <laughs> She's taking out everybody. I don't know. It's a I, Trent, tough battle. That's one I think you shot vote. at a time. It's a process. A sniper rifle is a process. It's one shot at and a I time. And I think that's the problem because by the time she reloads and misses again. My seagulls would have And the engaged. shotguns would have hurt. Yeah. Getting shot with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, but. She, that hurts. The way Helen set it up was that she's far away. I mean, shotgun, 
that's a long range. So by the time, I mean, I'm getting like maybe a dozen shots off by the time Chris runs all over the way over. Yeah, but the Mafia Don could call on a puppy to drag Helen Keller closer or a guide dog that Helen Keller's probably used to having. That, it could go. walk That's it close winner. enough. Boom. Because you Mafia know in this Don day and age, she definitely has huh. a service dog. I have her service dog chain, turn on her and maul her. I actually think her service dog has been trained to kill, and homeboy runs over there and chews your neck out. Yeah, but and he has control of all animals. The Mafia Don controls all animals. That oh, okay. includes service dogs. So, okay. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you make the judgment on this, you know, people who have lost a sense, all their you know other senses develop. And I feel like she just finds this chi. I mean, have so you So you not, think she could sniff not, the shotgun you, coming? Apparently, you haven't seen Rogue One with a homeboy like can, can see all the stormtroopers and stuff like that, and he takes them out with a stick. Yeah, but but here's the problem with that too, though, is that you said with her sniper rifle, she's going to be a long, long way away. So that sensing chi, that's mit- that's mitigated oh, by oh, the fact that she's far she away. She only so has can't two. Have it both ways. She can't hear or see. Hold up, hold up for a second. So you're gonna speak on? You're the authority on chi. You know what distance, like so. I, is there a chi, is there a chi signal like Verizon ha- has, like a s- signal strength or something like that? There is, I think, for chi. Yeah, yeah. It costs a lot of money, but Tim can get you one. It's unlimited. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> I tell you what, if she. If Helen finds out you made a buffalo turkey for your wife, you're dead anyway. So. I'm sorry that Helen Keller, you have been. Eliminated. Boom. So, Chris, leave your fighter there. All right. Because now you have to fight my fighter. Now you don't get to change anything. Your fighter, the Mafia Don, armed with shotguns that seems and a little controls unfair. all animals, is fighting a sumo wrestler oh. <laughs> that is carrying way too many grocery bags. <laughs> what the heck? I guess you can write some in, huh? And can make a force field while holding breath. Oh, wow. boom, baby! What's your so, mode of attack, though? Like, I mean, I know. What are you gonna do? Because the mafia done, you can't like sumo me. You're not gonna be able to like get to him because he's just gonna keep shooting you with shotguns. I have a force field. Yeah, but you have to hold <laughs> your breath while you have the force field. He can hold his breath. Yeah, but I've got Helen Keller's guide dog with me. <laughs> And I'm going to have that dog keep chomping at you, and he'll just – we can just run away. Because the sumo wrestler advances the force field. I mean, you can only move so fast. How many how many grocery bags can you carry in from the back of your trunk? A ton. I, there is no limit. Okay, so if I'm a sumo wrestler, I'm a big dude. I could carry a lot of grocery bags. Sumo wrestlers eat a lot of canned vegetables to keep their weight up. If I'm going to attack you with a force field while holding my breath, swinging those grocery bags and pummeling your mafia Don. How long do I think you I think gotcha. fat-ass sumo wrestler can hold his breath while chasing me and swinging garbage so bags? So when you go down, he's going to peel his diaper off and make you smell it, and that's it. Game over. Wow. He's going all Rashiki on. Yep. No. No chance. See, because here's the deal. Sumo's... Force field is only intact when he has his his breath held. So I'm just like creating a little distance by shooting my shotgun to shoot shotguns and running away. And me and my and Helen Keller's guide dog, 
when we get a little bit of space and that force field comes down, you're coming at me trying to swing those bags and I'm going to put my gun down and I'm going to have Helen Keller's service dog and all of its buddies maul sumo. Brandon, hold on. In hold the on. time that you so, could so, in the time that you could reload a shotgun, could you take a breath and hold your breath again? It really kind of depends because you can take the spring out and put like six or seven shells in like some of these shotguns. But so, they're shotguns. But they're here, not shells. here's the thing that we overlooked. It's a shotgun that only shoots other shotguns. Exactly. I had a sniper rifle. I feel like I should be able to jump back into this because you ain't shooting my <laughs> sniper rifle. We killed you with your guide dog. Trent, I'm going to jump in your force field and I'm just going to take all freaking day and shoot up like his mafia guy, Mafia Don. I think my dogs would maul both of y'all. That's what I think. Trent, I think this is something you overlooked. I think you should turn his Mafia Don into the IRS. Think about it. That's how, you know. That's usually how maybe that I have. Uh, That's a punk move. Maybe I'm carrying way too many grocery bags full of your tax returns. Wow! Here we go. Yeah, and that's the IRS okay because are coming that's and okay. You. That's okay because I'm going to use my control of all animals, and I'm going to control. What am I going to control? I don't know. I'm going to control some kind of birds that come down and snatch them away. Okay, Trent. Is there any possibility in these grocery bags that you may have some pasta and some spaghetti sauce? We, obviously. You could throw that out. It distracts the Mafia Dawn. Meatballs. Frozen meatballs hurt. Have you ever been hit with a frozen meatball? No. None of us have. Some once. frozen meatballs at the Mafia Dawn. Okay. That was so who wins? He's trying to distract the Mafia Dawn with the spaghetti and meatballs. I kind of like the idea. But I think that me and Helen Keller's guide dog – and all the animals in the world, I think we overcome sumo wrestler and the force field that only in, that's only intact when you're holding your breath. I just don't see how you're going to do enough damage with some grocery bags. Even with all the grocery beans. bags, but okay, I could distract the animals by feeding them. I mean, every movie you throw a steak and the dog goes off and eats He's the right. meat. He's well, right. then the question comes, who has more control? Is it me with my innate ability to control animals or the animal's instinct to go run after the stakes? I don't know. Brandon, I don't know either, but you have to make the judgment. I think the sumo wrestler beats him because it's going to come down to hand-to-hand combat, and my guy's bigger than the mafia It's, it's going to be close. all the animals They're the all distracted with my too many groceries. Wow. And your gun's... Null and void because my force field wins. But it says way too many grocery bags, not an unlimited number of grocery That's bags. That's way too many. can control all the animals and feed them all. I mean, I know how many grocery bags I can carry, and I'm no sumo wrestler. It could be a lot. It could be a lot. So, Brandon, you got to pick this final Why? I'm I'm still jilted. Me and Helen are jilted. <laughs> I ain't picking nothing. Y- y'all can pick it. We can't pick it. We're the ones going against each other. Come on. you got to make I think y'all do paper, rock, scissors over this one. Why is it really that tight? I got a mafia don who has control all right, of all the pick, animals, and this guy's got here, a big fat I, guy with grocery bags and a force field that only is intact when okay, he's not breathing. All right, let's end this game. You each pick one more black card and add on. Oh my god, this a is random? gonna go on forever. Oh, and I shoot tear gas. Now it's over. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I heal a hundred times faster oh, than normal. Oh, man. I still beat you. Now I think he's got me. He's got the force field and he heals. 
and he's my tear gas is no good because he's got to hold his breath. And plus, now you're in a inside of a hamster ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the sumo wrestler wins. Trent is the champion. <laughs> we may never do that again. Yeah, Brandon I think that, arguing after he's lost. Well. That's probably an off-the-air game that we might be able to read. That sounded like a lot of fun there. You know, it, it was more fun when I was winning. The there is a battle royal that we could try next time. Oh, okay. Well, we'll work on that. I want to know how long before the rest of America figures out that the L.A. Lakers did a heck of a job in this year's NBA draft, and it has nothing to do with Lonzo Ball. Hmm. Hmm. Kyle Kuzma is killing it right now. And, of course, everybody talks about Lonzo Ball. They got him with the second pick in the draft. They ought to be talking a little bit more about Kyle Kuzma. We will on the other side. See you in just a minute. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats last segment. We've been NFL heavy. We've talked about Christmas. We played a stupid little game. But now we need to talk NBA for just a couple of minutes. And I got a couple observations to make. Um, first of all, I need to get to I need to get you guys' opinion on this. Ben Simmons, is he a rookie or is he not a rookie? Brandon Atkins. What have you I mean in terms of how he plays or actually? No, 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 no. I'm talking about should we Look at him and say, anything that he does, we give him credit because he's having a great rookie year. In your heart of hearts, what do you, how do you feel about that? Um, because he hasn't played in previous years. I'm not understanding the question, but I'll go ahead and say, yeah, he's having a great rookie year because it's the first full season that he's played. I still feel like he needs to develop a jump shot to keep everybody honest. But, yeah, man, his first full year in the league. But you consider this to be his rookie year. In your mind, he's a rookie. I mean, he's been in the league, but he hasn't played. So, I mean, I guess he could consider it it's his rookie year. Well, Justin Jackson's in the league. He ain't playing either. Is next year going to be his rookie year? I don't know. Or the third year, the fourth year? Who's, I don't know. Who's making Trent, a big beef? What's that? Who's making a big beef out of this? I'm, I'm just – I have an issue with it. I mean, we heard last year, well, this is Joe Embiid. Look at his rookie season. It's not his rookie season. What are you talking about? Trent, what are your feelings? It's tough. I mean, I guess, you know, kind of agree with Brandon. If it's due to injury where there was no opportunity to play, how can you take that away from a guy and not consider him a rookie? But, you know, he's had three years where he's been able to be in that environment with the team practicing. Um, You're talking but, about Embiid. Yeah, well, that. And yeah, I mean, Simmons is just the one year. He lost last year. 
and he's come out. Now, Simmons is starting to come back to the pack a little bit. First, you know, couple weeks of the season, he was on fire, putting up crazy numbers. Starting to roll that back, and part of that is the fact he doesn't have much of a jumper. Nope. That was why I had questions about Simmons coming out of LSU was his ability to, to shoot the basketball. I don't know what the end game with him looks at. It all comes down to what Brandon just said as to how much his jumper develops. I don't know if he's a I don't know if he's a legit superstar potential type guy because it all hinges on that, and that's really, well, really, really, really look important. At, what about John Wall? He came into the league and couldn't shoot a lick. I that's mean, maybe, true. maybe some short. Range, but his three-point shooting his rookie season was awful. And if you don't have a Lonzo Ball type of style where you're shooting it from your ankles, then you have a shot to improve it over time. And there's more examples I can't think of right off the top of my head. But you know, John Wall is now one of the better players in the league because they did he d- did in fact develop a jumper. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that it's impossible for. Ben Simmons to develop a jumper. What I'm saying is the difference between him being a nice player and him being a real star in the NBA comes down to whether or not he develops that. And now, Kobe, what about Kobe Bryant? I remember he used to look ugly on the court because he couldn't shoot a lick. Well, Simmons, I think in this day and age, has to be able to hit that three. Yeah, and the, yeah, and for he sure. Has, he hasn't hit one yet, but then again, he hasn't really attempted that. Well, and one guy that is hitting threes at a ridiculous rate is Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. And the reason I asked the question about Simmons is when I look at it and I look at this year's draft class, that to me is the rookies. And I look at it and I'm like, you know what? Jason Tatum's having the best rookie campaign of anybody. Well, wait a minute. You know, Simmons is still out there and got the numbers. But the guy that has come out of nowhere in the last couple of weeks, Kyle Kuzma. And I want to read you, going back to December 12th, his stat lines. Points and rebounds, 19 and 6, 20 and 7, 25 and 6, 20, excuse me, 38 and 7, 27 and 14, 18 and 7, and 31 and 3. So basically, since the middle of December, he's hit 20 points in every game with one exception, and that was his 18 at Portland. Kuzma. Have you watched this kid play? I have. I haven't. He's I've, legit, and his confidence is growing by leaps and bounds. And he is becoming the go-to guy in the year that it's supposed to be Brandon Ingram becoming the center of gravity on that team. And I would venture to say Kuzma is on a trajectory to pass Brandon Ingram and become the go-to offensive weapon on that team. Brandon Atkins. We've talked about that before. When we were wanting, we're talking about eligibility in college and when should they come out and stuff like that. If I was an owner, I would have looked, loved to see what Brandon Ingram looked like in year four or yep. whatever. He's never gained any weight or muscle. And you can't do that, you know, I guess what he is, uh, 6'9 maybe? I'll look it up in a second. Even if you're 6'9, if you put no muscle and you like to go to the hoop and mix it up with a jumper, Plus, I think the long-range three-pointer, he killed us from three-point land in college. You move that line out a couple of feet, um, that's that's my point on that. Duke players, I will say this, 
in terms of Jake's, Jason Tatum, it's another reason for everybody to go to Duke because that's one thing that in most years Coach K will help you develop the long-range jump shot. Well, here's the thing with the Lakers, and, and I said Brandon Ingram coming in this year, when you look at all the young talent that was out there, all of the possible trades that were out there for the L.A. to make, Brandon Ingram was the one guy. They said, this guy's untouchable. He's untouchable. Now, D'Angelo Russell, they jettisoned him. I'm still convinced that he is going to be a star in Brooklyn. Now, he's hurt right now, but when he comes back, he was lighting it up prior to going down with the injury. I think they will rue the day they let D'Angelo Russell get away. But Ingram, during part of this season, started to assert himself and sort of became the center of gravity. But at this point, he's rocking 16 16 points a game, Five and a half rebounds and three and a half assists. You look at what Kuzma's doing. Kuzma has surpassed him. 18 points a game, seven rebounds a game, and a pair of assists. Well, check this Who out. Who saw this coming from a guy that was the 27th pick in the draft? Nobody did, but check this stat out. Lonzo Ball, 6'6", weighs exactly the same thing as Brandon Ingram. Kuzma... Weighs 220 pounds. Brandon Ingram weighs a buck 90 soaking wet at 6'9. You're going to get pushed around. Just look at that foul, not to go completely different, but the foul Durant put on LeBron James. Durant's whole argument was that look how big this dude is. That shouldn't, even, that shouldn't be called a foul because it bounces right off of him. You know, Ingram may get more fouls when he's going to the hoop, but I would much rather be a LeBron, you know, 6'9, 6'10, whatever he is. My point is, is that you have to develop your body. Maybe that's something that people will look into the draft, you know, in future drafts because you got to if you're going to be tall and have some kind of penetration game in the NBA when there's grown men, you had best develop your body. Ingram is 20 years old, Kuzma's 22. Yes. So he's had more time and his body has developed a little bit. That is one problem with drafting these kids. They have no idea how these bodies are going to uh develop through time there's an assumption so the one and done is actually hurting because you're taking more of a crapshoot thinking what, about that it's hurting but if you get a senior in college this guy's body is almost to where it's going to be and he can build upon that you well, can that's see why, the frame well i mean ben simmons had a nba body in college you know what i mean like that's got to be the trend moving forward does Watch, it i mean you're looking at kevin durant kevin durant Remember how skinny he was, but he stayed. And it's skinny. not as if he didn't put it's on. It's not ton. as if he's put on a thousand pounds since he got into league. And Kevin Durant, I I can't believe Kevin Durant's only twenty nine years old. That's bananas to me. Does anybody else blown away by that? It seems like he's been in the league for thirty years. Yeah, but you look at it, and I think when people saw Ingram, the skills are there. I think that it was all about his potential. And I agree with you. See a guy that's stick thin and is going to get pushed around in the league. Yes, he's got a soft touch. He can put the ball on the floor. And there are flashes there. But holding up when you're playing a league with grown men, I don't know. So my question to you guys is now, you've got a lot of young talent out in L.A. I want to make sure I don't forget anybody. Let's look at Larry Nance Jr. You got Larry Nance You've got Julius Randle, who is almost the forgotten man in L.A., and I think 
could be a critical component on a playoff team. Mm -hmm. If I'm in Cleveland or something like that and I'm looking at making additions to the team, give me a high-energy hustle-type, Kenneth Fareed, Ben Wallace-type guy. I think Julius Randle is a glue guy for a team that knows how to use a guy like that. He's not getting enough minutes in L.A. I don't understand what the problem is out there. Well, I do understand. They've got too much young talent. But you got Nance, Randall, Kuzma, Ingram, and Lonzo Ball. Am I forgetting any other young studs, horses out there, guys? No, I don't think so. Who, if you had your druthers of those five guys, would you pluck off that roster for your ball club? Needs aside, who's the best player of the five, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I think you've made a good argument for Kuzma. I'll tell you what the Lakers need to do is get Lou Dang off their payroll. That would help things out. $17 million a year. And Who are they going to spend it on? Well, I don't know. But anybody else not averaging LeBron. two points a game? LeBron. Right? LeBron. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. I mean, if you're looking at it, what you need, Kuzma right now is playing the best. I mean, I kind of like Julius Randle at uh, 23 years old. Uh, 6'8", 6'9", 250 pounds, somebody that you give, you could develop into that. He's playing power forward. Um, I mean... See, what I like about Randall is that he doesn't have to get the ball to be an effective player on your ball club. And in today's NBA, where you're loading up with two and three and four superstars on your team, and that's your goal, you've got to have guys that can contribute that don't have to have the ball in their hands as a primary part of the offense. Randall's going to get his putbacks. He's going to finish on the break. He's going to play tough D. He's a scrappy guy, and he's scrappy, and when you say that, you immediately assume, well, that that's the guy that's not necessarily athletically gifted. Athletically, Julius Randall might be the most gifted of all of these guys. Mm-hmm. I love Julius Randall, and if I'm one of these teams that's on the, on the, the, the cusp, Julius Randall's the guy I'm going after. Thanks for hanging out from the cheap seats. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Check it up. Check out the podcast from the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.